1: greenie with mike
0: greenberg the podcast
2: back and better than ever greenie presented by progressive insurance jam-packed today training camps open everywhere we're waiting on watson we got durant potentially to boston baseball races heating up our cup runneth over let's do this here we go
1: Only one place to start. Well,
2: and the place to start will be with the training camps opening all across the National Football League. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be back. Delighted to have you with us. And delighted to have my friends Dan Graziano and Mike Tannenbaum. Good enough to stick around a few extra minutes after we wrap up Get Up this morning with a lot of big NFL news out there. Gentlemen, thank you both. Very much for your uh, always your willingness to do this. Graz, let's just dive right in because there's so many big stories out there. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson is the biggest. We are waiting, and we do not have any update yet. The Browns are reporting for training camp today. He has been in their camp since last week. They have their first practice tomorrow. And yet we have heard nothing as far as a potential suspension.
3: There's a discipline officer named Sue L. Robinson who had the hearing about three weeks ago. And the next thing in this story is she renders her decision on what the appropriate punishment, if any, for Deshaun Watson is. It could come any time. Like I could check my phone in two minutes and, and, and it could be there or it could be next week. like we, we don't know. Obviously, everybody wanted this done before camp starts. It, that means probably today, but there's no guarantee it'll happen today. So the Browns have to go forward as of now uh, with the unknown.
2: What are the things, Mike T, that the fans should be thinking about that? I, I have struggled trying to put together conversation about this story. It's obviously very interesting and from a football perspective, extremely important as, as well as even more important from non-football um, angles. But but what are the things the football fan should be thinking about today?
1: Yeah, it's extraordinarily complicated. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you literally have to get four quarterbacks ready. So let's just go right through it. Deshaun Watson and, and Lewis Riddick also alluded to this on Get Out, which is you want to get him some meaningful reps because he didn't play last year. So it's very unusual to have your franchise quarterback play in the preseason, but he's going to miss some time. We know that. So he has to play in the preseason. So we got to do that. Jacoby Brissett's your starter, presumptively for at least no less than four, probably six, seven, eight games. So he has to go in getting all the reps, leading the meetings and everything that goes attenuated with being your starting quarterback. Then you have two other sort of unproven quarterbacks, Josh Dobbs and Josh Rosen. They are literally one hit away from a team that has a chance to be really good. They need their reps as well, Green. So all four quarterbacks are, really need reps this preseason, which is very unusual.
2: Yeah, so we we will have an eye and an ear on Cleveland. We have our reporter, Jake Trotter, there. He was with us this morning live on Get Up. So we we will see if there's any update on that. And and certainly, as soon as there's any news, you'll get it here immediately. I, I think there has been a general expectation that by the time they set foot on their field for their first practice tomorrow, that we would have some resolution to this. Play. Yeah, again, but again, there's no
3: guarantee of that's that. It's all just people guessing.
2: That's Nobody. Right. It's an unprecedented uh,
3: process. First time we've gone through this with a discipline case in the NFL, so no one
2: actually knows. Right. So to your point, we may not know this, and they could be – on the field, and, and as someone said on our TV show this morning, I mean, they made their bed with this. They knew yeah. what they were getting into. They, they knew what was going on with Deshaun Watson when they decided to give him the contract and bring him in there. So it's hard to muster up a lot of sympathy for anybody in the circumstance. They'll just... Go through it as best they can. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit Progressive.com. The next two things I want to touch on, let's start with the Kyler Murray contract between the two. This got everybody talking yesterday. And in case you haven't seen or heard about it, it was leaked that in Kyler Murray's contract extension, a huge one with the Arizona Cardinals, there is a provision in it that states that he must complete four hours per week during the season of quote, independent study, meaning away from team film sessions. He has to dedicate at least four hours of his week to studying film of his upcoming opponent. And if he does not do so, then he is in violation of the contract and they can void it. This is to all of our knowledge, completely unprecedented in NFL history. Um, and to be clear, four hours a week would be described as like the minimum amount of film that a punter might watch. The idea that a quarterback needs to have four hours a week assigned to him is bordering on insulting. So, I mean, Mike T, what what is the reaction here?
1: Yeah, again, I see this differently from a standpoint that this could be a win-win in terms of. Clearly, Arizona feels like they can win a championship with him. They're giving him a massive amount of guarantees. Now, from the other side, Kyle Murray is admitting that I have to do more. It's just shocking to see it in a contract, but the rationale makes sense to me. And look, once it's in a contract and it gets processed between the league and the union, contracts become public. So this is something that I'm sure Kyle Murray was told by his agent, this is going to get out there. And maybe this is the first step in the right direction that he's admitting he's had a problem. And... If we're looking back three years from now, maybe it's a situation where this turns into a win-win, where he understands what's required of being a starting quarterback, and they have a great run together.
2: I understand what you're saying, um, but it almost feels like a professionalism clause. You know, Dan Graziano, in your contract, it's implied... That you will watch football games, right? I mean, like, like I'm, I'm trying to think of what would be an equivalent <laughs> right? to this, right? But like, like it, it, I have it, to make it,
3: a certain number of phone calls every day or else they can get like out of the, the contract. Like, the
2: fact that, that, that there is a belief that it does suggest that the team doesn't trust him, right? Like, they, they, yes. b- they believe that unless your money is riding on this, that you will not do the work that everyone would, in, would involve, uh, excuse me, that everyone would agree you don't have to have played football that someone like me is well aware that the work we're assigning to you here is less than everyone else in your situation would likely do But we're making you sign a piece of paper that suggests all your money rides on it. That, that does not seem to me like the team trusts
3: him. The the fact that it's in the contract, that's the thing, right? Like, yes, it could be a win-win if the team and the quarterback can get together and and if in fact, if in fact he needs to improve his study habits and, and the team seems to think he does and find a way to do that. But to require it contractually, this is not standard NFL contract language, right? I mean, like like to, re- to require it contractually tells you that the team feels it's out of options. That whatever method the coaching staff and the front office have tried in terms of getting this point across to him over the three years he's been their quarterback has not worked. And so they have to tie it to his income. I, I think it's shocking. I really do. And, and you're right. Maybe it could be a win-win. Maybe, it's, but, but the fact that it's gotten to this point says a lot about the relationship between the team and the player.
1: But it also talks about how talented he is. I mean, yes. just imagine if you're Steve Kime and your future is tied to the performance of your quarterback. Imagine how talented they believe he is that they're willing yeah. to invest that much money in him despite all these challenges he's had.
2: Right. So there's that situation. And it's weird. One more <laughs> And and that I want to get into with you guys today. And that was this anonymous quote that came from the story in The Athletic. And all of us, particularly Dan, you and I were kind of tough on the whole idea of anonymous opinion. I want to make it clear, I don't have an issue with the person who put the story together including it or, or, or asking for it. Uh, what I think is cowardly is an anonymous NFL defensive coordinator saying, I don't care if he wins 12 MVPs, talking about Lamar Jackson, I still wouldn't put him in my tier one um, because he doesn't play quarterback. He's a, He'd be a tier one football player, but not a tier one quarterback. And that... <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 taken aback at the way people continue. If you want to raise legitimate questions about whether he has the same longevity that some other really good young quarterbacks might because of the number of hits that he takes, that feels like a, a very legitimate conversation to have. If you want to raise questions about whether you can win playoff games and Super Bowls in the long run, if you don't throw the ball from the pocket more consistently than he does, that's legitimate. But when you say things like, I don't care if he wins 12 MVPs, I'm still not going to put him on my tier one. The only thing I can take from that is you have an agenda here. You have a specific issue with this person or this player, and thus your opinion sucks. Yeah, I'm with you on the
3: issue of anonymous opinion. I think it's really important for people to understand from the reporter's perspective. We use anonymous sources to get information. That's different from... Publishing someone's anonymous opinion. And it's different in, in that it has more value, right? If I can, if I can tell you that, um, you know, Kyler Murray is signing a new contract with the Arizona Cardinals and, and they've agreed to terms. The person who told me that, did not want their name attached to it. But then it's announced the next day that, you know, now you as my reader, viewer, listener, uh, have been educated. That's my job as a reporter. But to pass along someone's opinion, I, I always have a hard time with that. And here's the th- I'll, I'll get even more granular if that's okay. If you have an, a defensive coordinator that's telling you what's wrong with Lamar Jackson's game, and this person does not want his name attached, but this person is willing to sit with you and show you tape right? Here's here's a play that shows you what I'm talking about with Lamar Jackson. This is where he has to get better in order for me to consider him a top-tier quarterback. That has some value because then I, as the reporter, can pass that along, right? Here's an example of the kinds of plays when people see. That has so much more meat on the bone than just someone's opinion saying, I would never consider this guy a tier one quarter. Well, why not? Give me, give me at least that. Give me at least an example, and that way I can educate uh, my readers on it because otherwise, all I'm doing is passing along
2: you know somebody's somebody's and, opinion. And to be clear, just quickly, Mike, and I'll give you the floor. When you when you get a whole bunch, when you when you sort of collate whatever yeah. the word I'm looking for is a whole bunch of opinion, yes, then you are putting together a story that has some information in right. it. Right. I don't
3: mind. This is that. how this person is viewed. You're right. And, and people need to understand. I'm I'm not being critical of Mike Sando, who works for the Athletic, used to work for us, used to do this article for us every right. year. Uh, he's 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 he works his tail off on this, and he talks to a lot of people. And he puts it together. But unfortunately, in this era of aggregation, the one gets pulled out and becomes a headline. And here we are talking about it. So it, it kind of becomes even more important to be conscious of of what you're putting out there in terms of other people's opinions.
2: So after this little journalistic TED talk that we put yes. together here, Mike, Mike, T, what do you think of all of it?
3: No, similar. You know, maybe it's my
1: background from having a law degree, but I always go to like, what's the objective standard? So, look, playing times on our platforms, we'll criticize players. Jalen Hurts, you know, Dak Prescott. Justin Herbert, who, well, I don't criticize Justin Herbert. Now, you love Justin Herbert, but But, that's
2: neither here nor there. Yeah, but
1: some of these young quarterbacks, how they evolve. And I think if you have objective indices, as you mentioned, Greeny, like Lamar Jackson's completion percentage from the pocket is X, and that's not good enough. I think we could all live with that. But I agree. And look, running a team in New York, you know, from Herb Edwards to Eric Mangini and on and on, it just stinks when you get eviscerated by somebody so cowardly that, you know, they can't put their name on it. And again, like, Let's just stick with the facts. And again, you know, we talked about Mike McCarthy, too. Like, the facts of Mike McCarthy is they have more penalties than anybody. Like, that should put your job in jeopardy. Like, Lamar Jackson has earned a contract extension by any standard.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I don't think there's reason to believe the Ravens don't believe in that. There's obviously something going on with the contract that it hasn't been done yet.
1: Yeah, and I think that's all about structure, structure, and structure. Yeah. Deshaun Watson has a fully guaranteed contract. There is no way in good conscience, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I could take a nickel less of average per year or guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson because I've been beyond reproach off the field. I've won an MVP. I'm young and I'm productive. So, to me, that has to be, while I don't know it, I'm suspecting, like – that has to be
3: one of the biggest hurdles left in that
2: deal. I mean, so it, let's finish it with that, Chris, the contract and what we know yeah. about it. I mean, look,
3: the pushback from the team in this case, as I'm sure you well know, is the, the Watson deal is an anomaly. There were four teams interested. He had told the Browns, no, they had to elevate to this in order to get him, and you are talking to just us about an extension, so it's a little different. I, my understanding of this, and it's difficult because not a lot of, of information has gotten out about this, but my understanding of this is Lamar has an idea what he wants, uh, they they felt like they were close last year. They didn't get there. They feel like they're close again. They may not get there because if they don't get to what he wants, it seems like he's comfortable going year to year on franchise tags, et cetera, and maybe even using the threat of impending free agency down the road as a negotiating tactic as well.
1: Green. One thing that's really fascinating is if they don't get the deal done, we saw Jalen Ramsey run a play of holding in, not holding out because in yeah. the new
3: CBA. Yeah.
1: You really can't hold out. Gosh, if a starting quarterback does it, it, it brings such a, yeah. unbelievable dynamic that's well beyond just a corner doing it, it well first. It, it,
2: it's insurmountable i mean if lamar jackson isn't making does not make himself available i think he'll play like I, I think, I think that, so too. that the outcome of this will be even if he doesn't have an extension that he'll play and he'll go the Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins route and still wind up making a trillion dollars. Uh, however, this thing plays out. I think he will get his money. It's just a question of when. Uh, guys, you're the best. Thank you both for sticking Thanks. around extra time. I appreciate it. Coming up next, uh, I have a message for the coach of the Cowboys, whether he wants to hear it or not. And it isn't what you think it is. I'll get to that in just a moment after I remind you to try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. with nationwide 5G on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required, actual availability coverage, and speed may vary. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. greenie the
1: podcast
2: busy morning we got working greenie with you here on espn radio presented by progressive insurance in 30 seconds you're going to hear from a bunch of people and then you're going to hear from me on what i think of the things that they said uh that's after this 30 seconds for zip recruiter are you excited to travel this summer have you ever thought about all the people that make a vacation truly great like the chef at the restaurant or the tour guide with the great stories well if you're hiring you can find great people like these for your roles at ZipRecruiter with technology that finds the right candidates for your job and you can invite your top choices to apply four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com/greeny that ziprecruitercom greenie I'm sorry what? What, what, what
3: I'm sorry what,
0: what? I'm sorry what
3: I'm sorry,
2: what? All right, so there's a bunch of things out there that made me say, I'm sorry, what? And let's dive into some of those with the assembled members of the Hashtag Crew who are here, Hashtag Hembo, Hashtag Nuno are both with us this morning. Um, And and I want to just give a quick thought on the Lamar Jackson anonymous quote thing. I I talked about this on the television this morning and, and I'll just touch on it briefly again here. There is nothing more cowardly than offering an opinion anonymously. All right. So, you know, the most famous anonymous source in journalistic history is Deep Throat, brought down the president of the United States in Watergate. Why? Because that person was aware the president of the United States had been behind a crime that had been committed. And that person was a whistleblower, was a truth teller, was information that needed to be gotten out. And that person would have been putting themselves in great jeopardy by doing so on the record. And Woodward and Bernstein kept their identities a secret, kept that person's identity a secret until he died. So that's what one thing is. This is just baloney. I mean, I, 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 I don't have a word that I can say on the air that fully describes what I think of it. But what really frustrates me is that this is an NFL defensive coordinator so you just know this is a person who tries at all times to position himself as some tough guy, right? Oh, I'm I'm so tough. And I I I love football and I'm a football person. I'm tough. I'm a I'm a I'm a tough person. And yet you're gonna make anonymous quotes about Lamar Jackson in a story because you don't want your name attached to it? You're a chicken. That's what you are. You're not a tough person, you're a coward. And that's what I think of that. So um that that's what galls me when it comes to these anonymous quotes again there are no two things more different than an anonymous source delivering extraordinarily important information to the world and an anonymous defensive coordinator who just wants to take shots at lamar jackson because it somehow makes him feel better about himself What do you think of that hembo
4: I think that's right. Although what irked me was not that he said this anonymously. It's actually the content of his message. It's very clear to me that this guy does have an ax to grind. But either way, what he said is just untrue. So I just put together a few of my favorite Lamar Jackson numbers to dispute the obvious lies that he told here. And even though they are his sort of opinions, it's very clear that they're not based upon anything aside from his prejudices. So when Lamar Jackson starts with the Ravens, They win. They win 76% of their games. They average 29 points per game. That's like top of the food chain type stuff. And as it relates to specifically needing to pass, which was a a portion of the quote that they said he could not do, well, last season, Lamar Jackson was the second-ranked passer in the sport when his team was trailing. And of the seven games he won, four required a fourth-quarter comeback. So it's one thing if his, like, criticism was slanted this way and was based on anything, but the facts are very clear that this guy's just full of, you know... Bleak bleak. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nuno,
0: you have a quick thought on this before I move on to the next issue? Yeah, real quick. I'm like, I just hope it's not my de- uh, defensive coordinator, <laughs> which I don't think it is because it is weak Martindale. But that is my reaction like – God, if that's your team's defensive coordinator and he thinks that, you're screwed. That's a
2: great—that's that, the best take I've heard on this so far. And look, the, Wink Martindale, should he have said— didn't he—is he the one who made Joe Burrow mad last year? And, and, and Bur- So, okay, fair enough. Like, should he have said that? Probably not. But at least he said it publicly, right? At least he put—as as our old buddy Herman Edwards would say, at least he put his name on it. So there's that. Let's move on to the next order of business. I have some advice— For Mike McCarthy, I'll make this unsolicited advice. Mike McCarthy is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and um, his job status has been in question going back to the middle of last year and certainly the end of last year. And now training camp hasn't even begun. And he had some quotes in which he said he's frustrated that these questions have already begun. Here's what I'll say. As a person who now understands a little bit better what it is to be on the other side of this, which is to say, I've always been in the media. I'm generally the one questioning people's job security, delivering criticism, asking questions, all of that stuff. That's me. I've been a talking head a really long time. But I have also, because of circumstances in my career, been on the other side of that enough to know what it's like. Most notably, when we launched the new TV show four years ago, anyone in Hembo, you're one of the last people who were still on the show, working on the show, who were there then, you'll recall there was a lot of criticism. There were a lot of questions. There were a lot of people taking a lot of shots at all of us and in particular me. And what I learned from that experience, and that's why I'm offering this, while it is one one millionth of what Mike McCarthy is dealing with, I think there is still a similarity. I got some excellent advice from a fellow by the name of Nick Kahn, who was my agent at the time. He's now the I think he's the CEO of WWE now after that stuff happened with Vince McMahon. But that's neither here nor there. But he was my agent then and was and and as a confidant and is I've always said one of the smartest people I know. And he said to me, there's only when this was going on, you know, I was concerned about it. It's no fun when you are in the eye of that kind of storm. I can tell you it is no fun. You feel like you've kind of got nowhere to turn. And you feel embarrassed and you feel like my, my my wife is seeing this. My kids are seeing this. My friends are seeing this like it's not fun. And he gave me the best advice I've ever gotten, which was this is what you wanted. You you want to do this job. I, I don't mean this particular thing, but I mean, you want to be a broadcaster. You want to be a person that is, is significant enough that people are actually paying attention to what you're doing. Put your head down and do the work. Just. Put your head down and do the work. There's only one way to make this go away, and that is to win. That's literally what he said. Now, winning is very different. In in, in Mike McCarthy's case, it is literally defined. But in my case, it was similarly defined. Win. Go out and win. Like, you're never going to shut these people up if you lose. On some level, they're right. So go out there and win. Win. And I made a decision. I'm not paying. I, I, I literally cut myself off from all of the conversation. I told Stace, if there's something on social media that, you desper- that I think I absolutely need to see, please draw it to my attention. Otherwise, I literally stopped reading, looking at any of it. And all I did was I put myself, and Hembo, you were there. I put 24 hours a day of my life every single day into the show. And ultimately, we've won which is to say the show is still on, and I think, generally speaking, people like us now, and the show is good. I think it is, it is somewhat inarguably good. We have won. Uh, you can't define that quite as easily as you can with a football team. But to Mike McCarthy, I would say don't complain about it. There's no point. There's no point in being frustrated. I get it. You're frustrated. Nothing you can do about that. You know what's going to happen? These conversations will stop when you're 4-0. If you're 4-0, no one will be talking about you getting fired. They'll be talking about whether or not you might win the Super Bowl this year. And if you're 1-4, every coach would be talked about getting fired, especially if you're going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So while I know it is incredibly hard to do, the best advice I can offer in this circumstance is ignore it as best as you can, put your head down, and put every ounce of your energy into making it right and if you win it will go away. Hambo what do you think of that?
4: I I like it and Mike McCarthy like many coaches like many people in the in the public eye want to have it both ways. He wants to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, all the fame and all the money that come with it, all of the notoriety. But he doesn't want to have to answer a hard question that's silly to me you're being paid millions and millions of dollars to be put in a prominent position in front of a microphone to just answer the question that question has been asked to a million coaches since the beginning of time and very few have answered it as badly as he did come on just answer the question brush it aside and move on it's it's, it is immaterial he made it a story by the way he answered it instead
0: nuno what do you think i mean mike mccarthy just needs to relax and do his job because you're coaching the dallas cowboys jerry jones is the owner jerry goes on the radio twice a week at least <laughs> yeah. sometimes even preempted jerry talked glowingly how dan quinn is a uh quarter is a head coach you know anyone would want him but he kept him there why and oh by the way Gar uh jerry could put the sean payton rumors to bed has it mike mccarthy just win some games yeah i mean that's it there's he's in that position
2: where there's nothing you can do but win the conversation doesn't go away any other way So I know it's ridiculously pointless, unsolicited advice because it seems so obvious. But in reality, it isn't as when you're in the middle of it, it's not that obvious. Like when you're in the middle of it, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. maybe I need to do this and maybe I need to do that and maybe I should. No, the answer is do nothing but your job. Do your job. The rest of it will take care of itself.
4: It strikes me, though, because during that period of time in your life and in the life of our show, you had a close knit group of people that were bouncing ideas off of you and you were doing the same with us. It seems like Mike McCarthy almost might not trust anyone in that building that's sort of coming for him. It's, it seems like an uncomfortable culture that he's sort of on top of.
2: Well, if that's the case, then he has no chance. Do you agree with me, though? So, well, I don't know. I don't know that. Yes, from the outside, it's easy to look at it and say, mm-hmm. well, maybe Kellen Moore has his own agenda and Dan Quinn uh-huh. has his own agenda uh-huh. and maybe Jerry. But if that's the case, then he has no chance. Then he literally has no chance. Then he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't want to be there in the mm-hmm. first place. If you are a person in a position of leadership and you do not trust, the people who are around you, your lieutenants, however you want to define that, um, then you have no chance to succeed and you should be get, you should be looking to get out anyway.
4: Well, generally speaking in life, when I answer questions defensively like that, it's because I am insecure about something. He strikes me as an insecure head coach right
2: no, now. And I mean, he has reason to be worried about his job security. We'll see. Right, we have much more football as we go along, but I wanted to do this.
0: I'm ready to go right now.
2: Green lights Green light with Greeny. All right, we have not done um, any uh, baseball so far here, and I want to get a couple of quick baseball things in. Hembo, let me give you the green light as we are now comfortably past, past the All-Star break. We are bearing down on the baseball trade deadline. What are the important things the fans need to know?
4: I want to set the scene for a really, really big series, a really big subway series starting tonight, ending tomorrow. Um, at Citi Field and Shea because the Yankees and the Mets are going to play what I think is at least here in the city a massive series and a really really big deal the game tonight's going to be on TBS nationally and the game tomorrow is going to be on ESPN Max Scherzer's pitching on ESPN so obviously the networks are into it and parenthetically it, it seems to me that New York is having about as good a city, uh, season playing baseball as we can ever remember right now according to our uh, Vivid Seats, which is a source we have. This series will feature the, the hottest Mets tickets in the last five years. The average get-in price tonight is 185 bucks. It's $184 tomorrow. And that's in part because right now the Yankees and the Mets have combined for what would be the best record they've combined for in any season ever since the Mets' inception in 1962. It is very much on the list of options that the Yankees and Mets meet again sometime in October or early November, and I think there's a really, really nice energy around the city right now, and what is going to be a really, really fun couple games.
2: Okay, so you have now kindled my baseball, my my talk show host brain, mm. and I so wish that Bubba wasn't on vacation right now because Bubba is a Met fan and Nuno is a Yankee fan, so we have them both here. But so I will ask the question to you. Right now, I'm telling you, one of these two teams, but not both, is making the World Series this year. Which of the two of them are you betting your hard-earned money is going to be in the World Series?
4: I'm going to bet on the Mets.
2: I knew you were going to say that. Why I, is that?
4: I, that's the reason I asked it. I just had a feeling you were going to say it. The sense that I get is, for as dominant as the Yankees were in the first half of the season, they are deteriorating some. The Astros are really coming on strong and have shown that they absolutely own the Yankees, whereas the Mets, I think, have made it this far, getting, with Max Scherzer missing a lot of time, and Jacob deGrom not yet throwing a pitch. Not to mention that historically, teams that rely on the home run ball as much as the Yankees do, don't wind up in the series. That's just a matter of fact. So I'm going to take the Mets based upon historical precedent, and based on the fact that I really think the Astros are coming fast.
2: Uh, Nuno, you are my vice president of Yankee fandom.
0: How do you feel about that? I... Can't disagree with him a lot because I am worried about the Astros. I know that Aaron Boone last week poo pooed the idea that you know their struggles against the Astros, but I am extremely concerned. I if they played anyone else other than the Astros, I'm good. That team scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I think there's reason to be. I, I, all I hear
2: now from our baseball insiders, all I hear from all of the baseball conversation is all the things the Yankees need to do before the trade deadline. And I want to keep jumping in and saying, wait a minute, I feel like five minutes ago we were talking about this historically great season they were having. Are they going to break the all-time wins record? And now you're telling me that this team has this flaw and this flaw and this flaw. That's a, a, a marked change in the conversation.
4: This team has been exposed, but think about it. What Aaron Judge was doing and still is doing to some extent is very hard to sustain over a full season season and the incredible health that they've been able to maintain in the starting pitching is another thing that's just going to eventually go the Yankees know they asked. look no matter what they do in the regular season, the only thing that matters is that ALCS against the Astros. They need to be as well-equipped as possible to win, and right now they just aren't based upon the seven head-to-head games that we've seen this year. All
2: right, I will save uh, some uh, the, uh, Tim Kirchin thoughts for a little later in the show. I would like to say a few words about our friend Tim, who this past weekend went into the Hall of Fame. But coming up next, I will tell you why the best trade that is out there would be the worst thing that could happen. That is next after I remind you that certain people make your life easier by helping you out. ZipRecruiter makes hiring easier because they do the work for you. How? ZipRecruiter's technology finds great candidates, and you can invite them to apply. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny to try it for free. We're back in a flash on ESPN Radio.
3: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast.
2: All right, we're rolling along. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Uh, Delighted that you are with us. We've got some good Tim Kirchin stuff for you a little bit later in the program. Hembo and Nuno are here. Pat Fitzgerald, the coach of my beloved Northwestern Wildcats, is going to join us in our second hour today as the Big Ten media days are going on. And there is a lot of news in and around the conference. So we'll talk to coach about that and more. Um, but I mentioned to you the best trade that is out there might be the worst thing that could happen. And what I'm referring to is the possibility of Kevin Durant getting traded to the Boston Celtics for a package that would include Jalen Brown and a whole bunch of draft picks. Now, when I say I think that's the worst thing that could happen, I want to make it clear. I think it actually might be the best thing that could happen for both teams involved. If the Nets are actually going to trade Kevin Durant, now you know my belief is that they should keep Durant and Irving and Simmons and try and make a run at this thing. But if they have concluded that they have no choice but to trade him, I can't imagine how much better they would do than a 25-year-old A-level player in Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown is an all-NBA caliber player, not first team, but third team, and that's pretty good. He's one of the 15 or 20 best players in basketball. That's pretty good. Uh, and then a whole bunch of draft picks and things like that. I, I I don't know how much better than that the Nets realistically could expect to do. And if you're the Celtics, I think you become the favorite to win the championship. Boom. Done. I don't care what anyone else does. That includes Golden State. It includes Milwaukee. It includes Miami. It includes anybody else you want. You have Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant. I think you are the favorite to win the NBA championship. And yet there's something about it that I would hate. There's something about, about Tatum and Brown I love. And that is that this feels like the way the sport always used to be. They drafted two really good young players, and we watched them go through their struggles in the same way that we watched Isaiah Thomas and all those Pistons unable to get through the the, the Larry Bird Celtics, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, finally beat them and went on and won championships. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, those Bulls teams couldn't beat the Pistons, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, finally broke through, beat and became the champs. Then we got into an era where teams and players are just going from here to there every 10 minutes. And there's no, you don't get to see a team develop. You don't get to see stars uh, develop together. You get to see them thrown together like they were an AAU team. The Celtics kind of had the old time feel. They finally got out of the East. We watched them fall short, just short, right? How many times are they going to fall short getting out of the East? They finally did it. They're in the championship. They lose in six hard games to Steph Curry. There's no shame in that. They lost to an all-time great player and an all-time great team. And they're right there amongst the favorites. I want to see it continue. The basketball fan in me wants to see it continue. So even though I think that it might be the best trade the Nets could make, and it might be the best thing the Celtics could do, at least in the short-term interest of winning a championship, the somewhat nostalgic, sentimental, old-fart basketball fan in me does not want to see it. Hembo, your thoughts?
4: I agree with you that it would be in the best interest of basketball if... Tatum and Brown stayed together and continued to grow together. But let me put you in the shoes of Brad Stevens and others in that front office for the Celtics. If this becomes a real option for you, where you feel like it's Brown plus a, you know, consequential amount, but not an overwhelming amount, obviously that's not a consideration of his. Are you saying yes? Are you trading, you know, a a player in Jalen Brown, who you described as fringe all NBA, who's eight years younger than Kevin Durant for Kevin Durant? Yes. You're doing
2: it. Yes. Because I don't think Jalen Brown at what and I like I really like him as a player. I think he's got guts. I've seen him play big in big moments. I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown. And I think he has he has room to improve. I think he will get better than he is, but he will never be as good as Kevin Durant. And that's not insulting a person. That's like saying you could be you can be very rich and never have as much money as Bill Gates, right? You can be plenty rich without having as much money as Bill Gates. Well, okay, well, you can be really good without having being as good as Kevin Durant. So I don't think he'll ever be as good as Kevin Durant. And I think if your goal is to win a championship, then, yeah, you get Kevin Durant, who's not 38. He's 34.
4: Mm, he'll play this year at 34.
2: So I would do it. Yes, if I'm him, I do it. That's what I meant. Like, I think it's a good trade for both teams. I just would hate it.
4: And the differential in age, though, which is eight years, I think is somewhat nullified by the fact that Brown only has two years left on his contract, and KD has four. With, with deals like this, no. We just
2: don't look that far ahead in the NBA anymore.
4: No, but there's no certainty yeah. that Jalen Brown is going to want to spend any, anything past the next two years in Boston. So you can think about it that way, too, where you might think you're sort of closing your championship window by trading for an older player, but Kevin Durant's under contract for longer. That's why this is a little bit different to me than to maybe the average trade like this.
0: Nuno,
2: your thoughts?
4: If
0: you're Boston, you have to do it. I understand why you don't like it, but you have to because nothing's guaranteed in this sport. I think teams around you are better. I think Boston, as well as they play to get to the finals, everything broke right for them. And I think you've... You just have to make this move because this gives you the best chance. And even if that includes, I know there's been the discussion of like, even if it includes Marcus Smart, you have to make this deal. I I think
2: that's right. And I agree with you about things breaking right for them. It just jarred in my mind this thought that in consecutive years, the Eastern Conference champion was absolutely determined or at least significantly influenced by injury, mm. which is to say if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt, I believe Milwaukee wins the East last year. If Kyrie Irving and James Harden don't get hurt, I think the Nets win the East the year before. Because kind of goes to show you how fleeting these things are, which is further reason why you don't worry about mortgaging a little bit of future, even though you pointed out you're not really doing that anyway, you make the move. If you're Boston, you make the move.
4: And I think if they had lost to Milwaukee and Chris Middleton had stayed healthy, almost everyone would universally say they definitely need to make this trade. They need to be operating from that mindset. They didn't win the championship, and they may have been a little bit fortunate to have gotten there anyway. Yeah, if
2: if they make that deal, um, I think that they clearly are the team to beat, not just in the East, but for the NBA championship. We're back in a flash. This is ESPN Radio.
1: Greeny,
2: the podcast. We roll along here on ESPN Radio. Lots to do. We've had a lot of different conversations today. We are here in New York City. That's where we do our show from. And uh, obviously here in town And Hembo, you did a good job of laying out the stakes for a brief two-game series, a brief subway series between the Yankees and Mets, who are having both having outstanding seasons and feel like legitimate shots at, um, at, at not only just making the postseason, but going deep and maybe even seeing another Subway World Series. But Tim Kirchin delivered some what I thought was kind of bad news for the Mets today. Certainly the coordinating producer of our TV show, whose name is Pete McConville, jumped in my ear immediately after he said it on Get Up and he said, Greeny, this is news. What he said was, I'm going to paraphrase it in the interest of time, he basically said the people inside the Mets that he, Tim Kirchin, has talked to do not believe DeGrom is close to being ready. DeGrom is going to make his uh, rehab start tomorrow night, I think it is, right? That's right. But, uh, but that contrary to what I think a lot of Mets fans think, which is, oh, we're about to get DeGrom back, Kirchin suggested he, that from what he hears, he doesn't think he's that close.
4: Here's what I would do if I were a Mets fan. I would assume that I'm never going to see Jacob deGrom pitch for me again. And I don't just mean like this year. Jacob deGrom can opt out of his contract after this year and before the season said that he was planning on it, that he was going to. Obviously, he's not thrown a pitch in a meaningful game now in more than one year. But if Jacob deGrom comes back and can be some facsimile of himself... He could be like the single biggest X factor in the rest of the baseball season. Whether he's a uh, you know pitches as a starter for the Mets in the playoffs, whether he comes out of the pen, regardless, he's that good. He's that dominant. But if I were a Mets fan, I would not be banking on it because we have a year and a half to data that say this guy's arm is made out of glass right now. He's incredibly fragile. He never pitches. And the news is always bad. I'm not counting on him for sure, but if somehow he does come back, he is a massive difference maker.
2: He was almost too good to be true, right? Yeah. Like when, when he was in the at the height of it, he, he was you kept giving me numbers every single day. I'd walk in here and you would be handing me these numbers. He's the best pitcher ever. Like Jacob deGrom, for that little brief period of time, was the best pitcher in the history of the sport.
4: He threw 92 innings last year, allowed 11 earned runs, and struck out 146 batters. It was the best like half season in the history of baseball. But it's not sustainable, clearly, because he's maxing out on every single pitch. And he was even in his rehab start a couple of weeks ago. He was throwing 100 miles per hour. This is just what D- Jacob deGrom is, and he won't be... So you if know, he opts out, is it.
2: someone giving him a huge contract? I bet
4: Jake De- I bet he will get a, a $100 million plus contract from somebody around baseball. Mm, he's I just mean, too good when he's healthy. But
2: he's never healthy.
4: But he's never healthy.
2: <laughs> so that's not so good. I know that, that's going to be a really interesting one to see it play out. Either way, Subway Series tonight and tomorrow night. Tomorrow night game on ESPN. Back in a flash, ESPN Radio.
1: thanks for listening to greenie the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio and see it with the video on espn plus also catch greenie on
3: get up weekday mornings at 8 on espn and also available wherever you get your podcast